1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 11. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Well, good afternoon, church. Let's, let's pray before we go into God's Word. Heavenly Father, thank you for speaking to us, giving us a trustworthy word, giving us the living word, the word made flesh, your son, Jesus Christ, that is now made alive and real to us through your Holy Spirit. So we pray that you would give us ears to hear and a heart of faith to respond and obey what you are telling us today. In Jesus' name. Years ago, a 15-year-old young man was getting baptized at his local church. And when he was getting baptized, somebody named Shelly Carey was present there. She heard the word pastor when this young man was getting baptized. Pastor. The young man didn't sense any call to pastoral ministry at that time. But four years later, he began to sense that God might be stirring that within his heart. So he continued his education finished college, started teaching at a Christian school. But it was tough. He spent the first two years teaching, and uh, he was struggling to teach well, to teach faithfully. And, and more than that, he was also struggling with this sense of call to pastoral ministry. He was struggling with whether he should continue in that call or maybe give it up. A church planting conference was coming up, and as he was going into that planting conference, he just prayed, prayed that God would speak to him. He prayed that God would reveal his will to him. So he went into that conference with that posture of wanting to hear from the Lord. And at that conference, uh, the same lady who had heard the word pastor years ago uh, brought a note to him. And he had, she had written down that note, which was reflections on what the Lord had put on her heart at that time when she heard the word pastor. She had been waiting for the right moment where she sensed that this young man was beginning to pursue pastoral ministry. And when this young man received that word, that note, it was an incredible encouragement to him. 
It's an incredible encouragement not to give up, but to continue to press on with the burdens that God had placed on his heart. And so God used this powerful prophetic word to encourage and sustain this man through the years, even as he struggled with throwing in the towel and giving up on this call to pastoral ministry. Some of you might know this young man, now Pastor Leo Paris. Church, this is a powerful example of the gift of prophecy, the Spirit of God speaking words of encouragement and consolation to the people of God. You recall Jesus, when he was headed to the cross, he told his disciples, it is to your advantage that I go away, because if I don't go away, the Helper will not come to you. The Helper, the Holy Spirit. And because the Holy Spirit has been poured out on us, on the church, on the day of Pentecost, because the Spirit fuels our service and singing, let's hunger for more of the Spirit's presence and power. Let me repeat that. Because the Spirit fuels our service and our singing, let's hunger for more of the Spirit's presence and power. If you're new to us, we've been spending the last couple weeks on a sermon series on the topic of worship. We've seen how all of us as human beings, we are worshipers. All of us, even the atheists, we center our lives, we build our lives, we prioritize our lives around someone or something. We are all created to be worshipers. For most people, though, their worship doesn't start or end beyond anything other than themselves. Their worship is just centered on the things of this life, whether it's power or fame, money, pleasure, or sex. But for us, as disciples of Jesus Christ, we worship the one true God, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. For us as disciples, we worship God by giving God what He deserves, not what God needs. God doesn't need our worship, our service, our giving, but He deserves it because He's God. And for us to worship God means to see Him as God, Lord, Creator, and King, and then to pursue and center and prioritize our lives around this God. We've seen how all true worship is rooted and grounded in Scripture. The Scripture is our non-negotiable authority that stands over us. All true worship comes from the revelation that God has given to us in His Word, what God has said about who He is and what He's done. And without the revelation found in God's Word, without this, we're just making stuff up. It's dangerous to be making stuff up. It's like driving around at night with no headlights or streetlights. You just don't know where you're going. That's why we need the light of God's word to direct us, to teach us, to stand as our authority in faith and life. And last week, we talked about worship through lament. We lament, church. We grieve because life isn't the way it ought to be. We grieve and lament because we still live in between, in between the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus. We still live in a world filled with pain and brokenness and death. If you were at our, the memorial service this past week for our dear brother, Michael Brooks, you, you, you experienced that as we together grieved the passing of our brother. And yet we don't grieve without hope but we grieve with the hope of our future resurrection in Christ. 
And this week, we're turning our attention to the Holy Spirit in, in worship. In John 4, Jesus said, The Father is seeking true worshipers, those who worship in spirit and truth. Spirit and truth, and that's the Holy Spirit. And because the Spirit fuels our service in singing, church, let's hunger. Let's hunger for more of the Spirit's presence and power. Foundational to the Spirit's presence and power is the Spirit's work in regeneration, making us new creations in Christ, causing us to be born again. If we don't have this, we have nothing. What does it profit a man or a woman? What does it profit you if you gain the world but lose your soul? What does it profit you if you have everything this world has to offer but you don't know Christ, you don't know God, your sins aren't forgiven, you're not headed to heaven? That's where Paul leads off with 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. So let's turn our attention there. Chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. These verses here, first three verses of chapter 12, they lay the foundation, teaching us that the Spirit's uh, first and foremost work for us as disciples is the work of regeneration. This is foundational because everything else is built on this. You never build a skyscraper on a random patch of grass or dirt. You build a skyscraper on that patch, it's going to fall down. You have to dig a foundation first. You've got to dig deep. You've got to sink those pillars, those pylons into the ground, and then you can build. In the same way you don't build a building without a foundation, you don't live a life of worship apart from the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit, where God gives us new life in Christ. We who were once dead in sin through the Spirit of God were made alive to God. We have to be born again. We have to be alive in Christ before we can be a true worshiper. That's why Paul reminds the church of the Corinthians' past, that in the past they were pagans. In the past they were spiritually dead. In the past they were led astray to powerless idols. This is what a life of idol worship looks like. It isn't just worshiping a statue or something you make with your hands. It could be anything and everything other than the one true living God. Psalm 115, verses 3 through 8. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths but do not speak, eyes but do not see. They have ears but do not hear, noses but do not smell. They have hands but do not feel, feet but do not walk, and they do not make a sound in their throat. Those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. The psalm writer reminds us that idols are dead. They don't speak, they don't see, they don't hear, they don't do anything. They're powerless, they're lifeless. But here's the kicker, those who make them will become like them, and so will all who trust in them. You've heard the phrase, you are what you eat. Well, according to Psalm 115, you are what you worship. You are what you worship. So you worship a dead and lifeless idol. That means you are dead and lifeless as well. 
But there's another category of those who are uh, spiritual beings. Those, so Paul's talking about people who are spiritually dead, those who are led astray, those who don't know that Jesus is Lord. But there's another category of people, and those are people who are spiritually alive, those who have been brought from death to life by the power of the Holy Spirit. Look at the last part of verse 3. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit's work for the believer is to open our eyes that we might see Jesus and desire Jesus above everything else in this life. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ with us this afternoon, if that's your reality, Jesus is Lord, if that's the reality of your life, it's because of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has taken everything that Jesus has done for us, justifying grace, sanctifying grace, adopting grace, the Holy Spirit has taken all of what Jesus has done and given it to you by joining you to Jesus. So now that now you enjoy union with Christ. So all the benefits of what Jesus Christ has accomplished in his life, death, and resurrection are yours because now the Holy Spirit has brought you, joined you to Jesus Christ. That's astounding. That's what it means to be born again, to be alive in Christ. Well, perhaps there are some of you here who aren't sure if you've been born again. If that work of the Holy Spirit has happened in your own life, in your own heart. Maybe you've grown up in church. Maybe you enjoy coming to church, enjoying being around other Christians. Jesus is calling you today to, to surrender to Him, to turn to Him, to turn from darkness to light, to turn from sin to God, to receive forgiveness of your sins and eternal life with God forever. Jesus does warn us, though, if we hold on to our lives, if you hold on to your life, you will lose it. That means one day when you die, you will face God, not as your Savior, but as your judge, as your judge for falling short of His glory, as your, as your judge for breaking His commandments in thought, word, and deed as your judge for turning your back on God. Like a plane that's about to crash, life has an expiration date. But Jesus can be your parachute. He can be your parachute. You hold on to him and never let go. You will be safe forever. But you reject that parachute and you will land in eternal judgment, a place that the Bible calls hell. Turn to Jesus today. Surrender your life to Him today. If you've done that, if you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, if you've given up everything that you might have Jesus, then Jesus is Lord for you. And you're on a journey towards the heavenly city. But you're not alone in this journey. You have the Helper, the Holy Spirit. Remember, Jesus said, it's to, to your advantage that I go away, because if I don't go away, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, won't come to you. And like fuel for a car is the Holy Spirit for the Christian life. Have you ever driven, forgot that you were running low on gas, the gas light came on, you chose to ignore it for 40 or 50 more miles, and you just ran out of gas? Well, trying to live life on your own without the Holy Spirit, without the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, is like driving a car when your gas tank is empty. 
You're going to go nowhere fast. We need, church, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And the same Spirit who regenerated us, who gave us new life in Christ, fuels our service in singing. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 and 19. Paul writes, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. So in this passage, Paul warns the church, don't get drunk on wine, don't let something like alcohol control you, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit control you, direct your thoughts and attitudes, your heart. So what does it look like, church, for us to be Spirit-filled, to live a Spirit-filled life? Well, there are so many different aspects of the Spirit's work. We could talk about the Spirit's work in regeneration, in justification, sanctification, adoption. We could have several messages on each one. But our focus is going to be on service and singing. Service and singing. So let's jump back here and look at verses 4 through 7 of chapter 12. Verses 4 through 7. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. The goal of these spiritual gifts, the gifts that God has given to us, is that the church would be built up, that we would enjoy unity in diversity, that the church would be strengthened. You see that phrase, the common good. Common good, it's for the sake of the church, the whole body of Christ. You see in the text, there are varieties of gifts, service, and activities, but the same Spirit, same Lord, same God. And this is a reflection of who God is. We worship one God, who eternally exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. Perfect unity and perfect diversity. One God, three persons. And a Spirit-filled life is a life that's working towards that perfect unity and perfect diversity. And we all need that. We need the work of the Spirit there. Because the church is made up of all these different parts. Right? I mean, take a moment even to look around you. Like, look at the people sitting next to you or in front of you or behind you. You can see that Risen Hope Church, we're made up of a lot of different kinds of people. We have people from different ethnicities, different ages, genders, backgrounds, experiences, cultures. And Satan would want to take all these differences and create division. Satan is about division, but the Spirit is about unity, about upbuilding, building up and encouraging the church. And so a question for us for self-reflection, church, is are my spiritual gifts, does my service, does my interaction with my brothers and sisters, does, is it about God? Is it about others, building them up? Is it about unifying the church, building up the church? Or is it about me? Is it about my recognition, my name, if our gifts, if they're not building up the body in unity and strengthening the body, then that's not the Spirit of God. 
And that's why, again, we need the Spirit of God because, because of indwelling sin. There's still sin living inside of us. Our hearts are still bent inward. We still, there's still parts of us that crave recognition. We want that spotlight. We want things to be about me. Like the eye, later on in 1 Corinthians, that says to the ear, I don't need you. I'm an eye. The whole body should be an eye. Or the hand that says to the foot, hey, you know, the hand is better than the foot. The hand is, is where it's at. We can, we can tend to focus on our own selves, our own gifts, our own strengths, our own backgrounds, our own cultures, and create division rather than unity. And that's where whenever those thoughts and temptations begin to creep in, we need to repent and ask the Spirit to change our hearts that we might be others-focused, focused on building up this church, that we might just get out of the way. Because the Spirit fuels our service and singing, let's hunger for more of the Spirit's presence and power. But maybe you're here this afternoon and you're on the sidelines. You're not even in the game. You come here on Sunday to be fed, to enjoy the singing, the worship, but you treat the church more like a consumer. If you claim to be a disciple, well, you have gifts, talents, time, energy, resources, and you have a responsibility to use them for the master's purposes, for the upbuilding, for the strengthening of his church. It's a dangerous thing to take your talent and bury it, to take your talent and sit on it, if you're doing that, I fear for you that one day you might hear from Jesus a word of condemnation as a wicked and lazy servant. I never knew you. As pastors, however, we are so grateful that, that you as Risen Hope, the, mem the members of this church, that you are faithful servants, that you are laying down your lives for this church for the gospel, for the kingdom. We are so grateful for how all of you serve. And the Holy Spirit, as we serve, builds up that unity together. But it's not a uniformity. There's unity, but it's not a uniformity. We're not all the same. We're not all cookie cutter. Let's look at verses 8 through 10. Verses 8 through 10. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. And to another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. This afternoon, we're not going to have time to go through each one of these gifts in depth, but we're going to go through a couple of them, a sampling. We do know that all of the gifts, you look at all the variety of different gifts used for service and used for the upbuilding of the church, all of the gifts are for the common good. They're for the common good, and all of them are supernatural. All are supernatural. This is where some of us, we can just be tempted to think that there are certain gifts that are for the super spiritual people, like the gift of prophecy, that's, that's pretty spectacular, that's pretty amazing. And we can be tempted to think, oh, there are other gifts that are lower class spiritual gifts. But they're all from the Spirit of God. They're all supernatural. You look at a gift list like the one in found in Romans 12, and most of the gifts 
to the outward eye seem more natural. Romans 12, 6 through 8. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. All these gifts are supernatural, whether it's service in the promised kingdom or service on the prophecy ministry. How many of you here serve regularly in promised kingdom? Can I see a show of hands? Now, there's something I think like 60 to 70 faithful members who serve in promised kingdom. Thank you for serving our children. That is a gift of God, a gift to the church, and the Holy Spirit pours out grace for that act of service. Many of you might know Felicia Grandpierre. Felicia Grandpierre is a faithful member of this church, and she serves with dedication and zeal in Promised Kingdom. She is a woman who has embraced the call to serve children, and she is attentive to their needs. There was one Sunday that she was serving, and she noticed something that was kind of off with one of the children. Uh, one of the children, they, their clothing, their hair, just didn't seem quite right. It seemed like something was wrong with this child, or maybe even something wrong at home. And out of love and concern, she let us as leaders know about the situation. And then she even asked if she could serve the child or the family in some way. It was just so encouraging to us as pastors and for us, uh, I think of like our Promised Kingdom deacons, Steve and Joanne Birak, it was just so encouraging to us as leaders that Felicia would notice what was going on with this child and not only do that, but inform us as leaders and then even offer outside of church to serve this child, to serve the, the family. That is a work of the Holy Spirit, building up the church through the gift of service. So many of you are serving in so many other areas, whether it's the parking team or ushers or greeters, the multimedia team. So many different gifts are given by Christ through the Holy Spirit for the upbuilding and unity of the church. And as a church, we believe that all the gifts, all the gifts of the Holy Spirit are available for the church today. That means we're a continuationist church. And continuation is simply, is a, it's, a, it's a fancy theological word meaning that all the gifts of the Spirit continue. They continue. See, the Bible doesn't teach that some gifts have stopped while other gifts continue. The Bible does teach that one day all the gifts will cease, but that happens when Christ returns. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 8 through 12. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. And as for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. For I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. See, one day the perfect comes. One day we'll see face to face. One day we will know fully. One day the gifts will pass. But not yet. Not yet. Christ hasn't come back yet. The perfect hasn't happened yet. 
So that means all the gifts of the Holy Spirit are in operation today, whether it's acts of service or tongues or prophecy. I open this time this afternoon with a story about the gift of prophecy in operation. In the, in the gift of prophecy, God uses, God gives an individual or the church a word, a verse, an image. And that allows us to apply the gospel in a, in a specific situation. And so in that situation, Leo was given a prophetic word as an encouragement, as an expression of God's fatherly care for his children. And I want to give you one more example, just uh, so that it will encourage our faith and lead us to hunger for more of the Spirit's presence and power. Years ago, there was a church member uh, struggling with a friendship, with a relationship. She had known the friend for a long time, but over time, the, the friendship began to drift, and they had grown apart. She had wanted to reconnect and even took initiative, but the other party didn't seem that interested. It wasn't reciprocated. It didn't seem to be mutual. And so our sister in Christ, she prayed. She prayed before the Lord. And the Lord convicted her to repent of her selfishness and also to entrust the friendship into his hands, to just surrender it. And she came away convicted with this idea, this thought, I shouldn't be keeping score. I shouldn't be keeping score. And on a Sunday not too long after that, Katie Gomes brought an impression to the prophecy mic and said, God doesn't have a scorecard. God doesn't have a scorecard. And this church member was just freshly encouraged, freshly experienced the unconditional and unwavering love of God for her. That's how the gift of prophecy functions. It's intended for us to experience God's presence with his people, to experience his power, his love, his care for the people that have been purchased with, by the blood of Christ. Because the Spirit fuels our service and singing, let's hunger for more of the Spirit's presence and power. We won't have time to go into all the details on the gift of prophecy, but if you're newer to us, you might be wondering, how does it all work? Well, briefly, we know in part and we prophesy in part. So when someone brings forward to the congregational mic a word, an impression, maybe even a scripture, it's, it's tested against our highest and final authority, which is the word of God. It's tested to see if it's consistent with God's word. And based on that, based on the moment, whether it seems to fit with what the Spirit is doing, it, it can be shared, or maybe it won't be shared in that moment. But we don't see prophecy and scripture in competition with each other. We see the gift of prophecy is helping us understand and apply scripture, just like the gift of teaching helps us to understand and apply scripture. And we know in part, and we prophesy in part, that means you know, we're, we're, we're trying to exercise discernment when things come forward. So we're so grateful, Patty, that you came forward because you felt like the Lord gave you an interpretation for a tongue. And as Leo said, we wouldn't ever share a tongue publicly because Scripture says that a tongue needs to be interpreted because the goal of our corporate gathering is for the upbuilding of the church. So if something is shared, like a tongue, nobody understands it unless there's an interpretation. But because we prophesy in part and we know in part, you know, we thinking there might be a tongue, but you know, maybe there's not, and we're going to trust the Lord with that. 
Again, time won't allow me to get into details on the gifts of healing, but I want our faith to be built up that God pours out gifts of healing today. As a reminder, we pray for people for healing every first Sunday after the service. In 2010, our brother Bill Davis was diagnosed with prostate cancer. Doctors advised treatment, but Bill and Becky, they, they decided to wait. They brought it to the Lord in prayer, and they invited others to pray, to intercede, to call out, to cry out to God for healing and help. Bill said, I know what God can do if we pray. I know what God can do if we pray. And based on their confidence in God's goodness and power and character, they were led simply to pour out their hearts to God in humility, in intercession, in prayer, and to ask God for healing. At a community group before his next biopsy, the group took time to pray for Bill. They laid their hands on him. They, and they just prayed that God would heal him, that, that this cancer would, would be healed. And as they were praying for our brother Bill, he said, I literally felt the cancer leave my body. I knew that I was healed. Bill had the biopsy anyways. And then when the nurse came back with the results, she said these words, no cancer, no cancer. Praise God that he is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. And church, gifts of healing, gifts of healing give us a foretaste of what we will one day fully experience when we are with Christ in our resurrected body, when there will be no more pain, no more suffering, no more disease, no more death. We get a little foretaste of that now when we see God pour out gifts of healing. Now, we don't know why God chooses to heal some, but others aren't. Even the Apostle Paul experienced that. He had ministry partners who got sick on his missions trips. And he had, he had to continue to some of his mission trips without ministry partners because they had gotten sick. So Paul couldn't heal everybody. But this I do know. We don't have because we don't ask. So we need to ask. We need to seek. We need to knock. So the Spirit not only fuels our service, but fuels our singing. Let's go back to Ephesians 5, 18 and 19. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Another way we see the Spirit at work is this, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now, I'm not a great singer. There are better musicians who are better qualified to lead worship. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Leo. Thank you, Dave and Paul and others who serve as our worship leaders. But it doesn't say addressing one another if you're a great singer or a great musician. It says addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So church, we need to be a singing church. Not just on Sunday, but at home, at work, in, in the office. So I'm going to sing. This is a little uncomfortable for me, but I'm going to sing. Your love has washed away my sin, Jesus, thank you. The Father's wrath completely satisfied, Jesus, thank you. Once renowned me, 
Now seated at your table, Jesus, thank you. I'm going to stop there. I'm going to stop there. I am not a great singer. But church, let's... Church, if I can sing in front of all of you guys, surely you can sing at home. You can sing with your families. You can sing in the car. You can sing wherever the Lord has placed you. And even if you can't sing out loud, it says making melody to the Lord in your heart. And God has given us the gift of singing that we, we can remind ourselves of the truth, the truth of the gospel, the truth that we can so often forget when we're in the heat of the moment, when things are stressful, when we're tired, when we're angry, when we're upset, when things aren't going well. Singing resets our thinking and our hearts. It reminds us that I'm a child of God. My sins are forgiven, that, that Christ is alive, that I have a future hope one day. It reminds us of all the riches of the gospel in the moment when we're tempted to forget. Because the Spirit fuels our service and singing. Let's hunger for more of the Spirit's presence and power. But how do we get there? By nature, we have a tendency to drift. We have a tendency to drift away into self-sufficiency into complacency, into laziness. That's why we have to ask. We have to ask for the Spirit's presence and power. And this is what Jesus commanded us in Luke 11, 9 through 13. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So let us ask. Let's seek. Let's knock. Let's ask for more of the Holy Spirit more of His presence, more of His power, that we might be filled. Psalm 105, 4 says, Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His presence continually. So church, let's make it a habit to be continually seeking God's presence, to be praying continually, wherever you are, whenever you are, whatever you're doing, pray. You can think this, even this past week, there were moments that I was just tempted to respond with sinful anger towards my children, to bring correction in a sinful way. But the Lord prompted me to pray, to pray. And so I prayed, Jesus, help me. God, help me to be patient. Help me not to lash out in sinful anger. And in that moment, God worked and changed my perspective, changed my heart. And so church, whether at home, whether, whether here, corporately, whether in the office, whether in the community group, church, let us be hungering. Let us be seeking the Lord and His presence continually. Let's hunger for more of the Spirit's presence and power. Let's pray. Father, we want You more. We want the Spirit's presence even more in our lives. Pouring out gifts of grace, gifts of prophecy, healing, tongues, gifts of service, and teaching, and acts of mercy and generosity. We want this church to be built up. And we want that spirit filling to come out through our singing, through our service, through our interactions with people. 
we can't do it on our own. So help us. Keep us humble. Help us to be an asking church. In Jesus' name, amen.